Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. The Saturday Morning Hangover. Good morning, San Antonio, and welcome into the Saturday Morning Hangover. Right here on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star, I'm James Pledger, joined by Jack Thompson and Katie Goodman. And my, my goodness, guys, what a day in the world of sports we have coming. What a weekend. What a show we have lined up for you. So this is just kind of a rundown of things that have happened in the last, like, 24 to 46 hours. We've got the Super Bowl tomorrow. So, you know, big game. It's kind of a big deal. A little bit. Texas and OU are heading to the SEC early. Yep. It's kind of big news. We've been watching it. We thought it was dead. We thought it was 2025. All of a sudden, March's, Arch's arrival will be a lot sooner than expected. The NBA trade deadline. That was some fireworks, even for the Spurs, which, bravo, congratulations, Spurs. I'm... I'm always happy when moves are made and you get assets for people that you would lose in free agency anyway, so I'm in on it. By the way, Jack, don't think I don't notice the uh, kind of Charlotte Hornet vibe you got going on there with that jacket. I like it. (laughs) Not really what I was going for, but sure. (laughs) I'm liking the vintage vintage Tim Duncan long sleeve you got going on there. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, that is dope. I do like that. Right? All the 90s vintage. Just the picture of him holding the ball. Yeah, elbows up. It's not vintage, but it's, it's it still looks, fire. It looks it vintage. It looks vintage, though. You've just worn it out? Yeah, yeah I've just worn it a lot. <laughs> Someone has a favorite t-shirt. Uh, the Houston Texans, D'Amico Ryan, starting to put his staff together. One of the fun names that we're hearing bandied about, Mr. Cliff Kingsbury from right yes. down the road in New Braunfels, Texas. Hottie. Uh, that he he is a very very handsome man. I will not deny that. If you he don't is, know what he looks like. Google his face. Yeah, right now. Basically, Ryan Gosling's doppelganger. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Gosling of football. Yeah, basically. Darn. If only you had it all. <laughs> if only, and he does. I mean, he just went on a retreat with his Insta model girlfriend to Thailand for. God, when did the season end? January. Sixth, he's ninth? been gone a month. He's been gone about a month in Thailand, just in gorgeous, water-soaked pictures. God, I, I mean, he hasn't as his girlfriend has, but he was yeah. with her. I imagine he was the one taking the picture. Oh, for sure. Got to <laughs> train him early on, you know. Get the IG husband going. <laughs> and the smoke uh, show too, though. I also uh, seen her. She's fire. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I expect nothing less from him. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, when you look like that, like I get it, dude. You, you plus sports. You've been blessed. You have been touched by God, or sold his soul to the devil. One of the two. (laughs) 
can I get in that line? Yeah. I mean, I thought I had. I didn't get the good stuff he did with it. His deal was way better than mine. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, we can't get through a week without talking about the Dallas Cowboys because reports have come up on so many things happening with them. Zeke possibly taking a massive pay cut, franchising Tony Pollard, C.D. Lamb, just... I wanted to say spewing venom, but it feels like facts. Yeah. We'll get into all of it, but of course, the big news, the big game tomorrow. By the way, I'm going to be at Twin Peaks out at 151 and 410 over in the Westover Hills location from 12 to 2. I mean, there's no better place to pregame than at Twin Peaks. So come out, hang out with me, enjoy some icy cold brews, register win some prizes. I will be giving away some tickets to go see Cat Williams in concert here in San Antonio. Just come on out, Twin Peaks, tomorrow afternoon, 12 to 2. Get ready for the big game with me out at Twin Peaks with their eats, drinks, and scenic views. But I look at this big game tomorrow. I'm so stuck in big game because we've had radio row coverage all week brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds, Southern Recipe, Small Batch Pork Rinds, and Texas Cheer Liquor. That this, everybody seems to be all in on the Eagles right now. Mm -hmm. And I get it, their defensive line, four people with 10 plus sacks, Hassan Reddick being a monster, I understand it. But in reality, they are so closely balanced. Like Exactly. Like, if you probably were to make a bet in Vegas, it'd be a lot closer to a 50-50 bet than anything else, obviously, but... I think I do side with the thoughts on Eagles just because there's a reason people say defense wins championships, right? And clearly Eagles sure. have the best defense. Chiefs have the best offense. It's just going to be the best matchup in general. They're, um, they're two really, really good teams that do things very, very differently. The Eagles bring pressure from their front four, and that has been kind of the motive off uh defensively for them all year like they're gonna get pressure with four guys and they're gonna wreak havoc trying to bring as little pressure as they as they possibly can they led the league in sacks but if you look at the chiefs they can also apply their own pressure with frank clark and george karafaloftis who jack you and i were very high on during the draft Mm -hmm. process um defensive Player of the Year candidate, Chris Jones, who is an I absolute thought, monster. I thought and he should have won it. I think he's underrated. He is severely underrated. If I had a vote, I would have voted for him. He destroyed Cincinnati in that AFC oh, championship God, game. Yeah. Like, the Chiefs won that game in part because of Patrick Mahomes, but it, I think equally as big a part was Chris Jones and the havoc he wreaked on that Bengals offensive line. And I think he can do the same to Philadelphia as good as their offensive line is. But remember, we've seen what Philly looks like when they don't get pressure. Yeah. We saw it against the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys hung 40 on them. If if you can prevent them from getting pressure, they're susceptible. And the Chiefs, after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers embarrassed them, in the Super Bowl a few years ago, mm-hmm. 
when they were down all those offensive linemen, yeah, they addressed that. Oh yeah, they yeah, drafted totally. Creed Humphrey at center from freaking Oklahoma. He has been awesome. They spent money on Joe Thune. They traded for Orlando Brown. They have solidified that offensive line. And it was on full display for Patrick Mahomes hobbling around on one leg in the AFC Championship game. Well, that's the thing. You know, knowing Patrick Mahomes has that ankle injury, probably isn't going to run it a ton. It's going to kind of limit his options, you know, just by limiting that. Yes, he does great inside the pocket, but you know that they're going to have their eyes on Travis Kelsey. Right. And so I don't know. I think that's just going to kind of limit his options of where, where to throw the ball. And also, if they do happen to break through that line and injure him anymore, that is a complete game changer. And I feel like I have the trust in the Eagles to actually be able to do that. Is that not the biggest misconception? Travis Kelsey's their best weapon. You know, you got to take him away. Like, it's easy to take away Travis Kelsey. Yes. <laughs> like, everybody knows this. Good Nobody's luck. done it. Yeah, everybody knows he's <laughs> well, getting the ball. Well, why aren't they doing it? I mean, he leads all tight ends in reception. Because it's he's really good. Yeah. So then why aren't people shutting him down, you know? Because, because you can't. Really exactly, good. exactly. You can't shut Case him down. I mean, I, I love the fact that everybody's like, you just got to take away Travis Kelsey, make him work harder. Okay. But how? Yeah. <laughs> Mississippi State uh, linebacker and former Seattle Seahawk KJ Wright. My boy. He KJ. was on with R and R in the morning last week, and he was talking about this game, and he mentioned the fact that why it's so hard to defend Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, because a lot of the times it's drawn up in the dirt. It is something off script, like, hey, go to this place, give you a nod, wink, whatever it may be. Like, you don't know what they're really doing, and they're not even sure what they're really doing half the time. <laughs> they play Sandlot ball better than anyone. Well, it just what makes Travis Kelsey so good is he used to be a quarterback. He understands zones. Yeah, so he understands, like, if he was throwing the ball where he would want himself to be. So he just he breaks off of routes all the time and just finds the little weak spots in the zone and it's too easy and then if you play a man on him he basically just posts you up like a center and just uses leverage and you can't get around him to get a hand on the ball so that's a solid point that's yeah so mm -hmm. true when you've played the position you just know it yeah he totally he, differently than yeah he knows just where to be kelsey is always there incredibly intelligent yeah he's just so smart and I think a lot of the times Patrick and him see the game from the same scope. Oh, yeah. So do you think it's going to be different knowing that he's playing against his brother who knows him so well? No, but his mom gonna... his mom has become a rock star. <laughs> Their mom has been all over Radio Row and TV and interviews, and I absolutely adore her. Uh, well, well-deserved. Pumped <laughs> out two kids who are in the Super Bowl. Like, my goodness. <laughs> Someone I mean, put that lady on a throne. JJ Watt's parents have also done a pretty good job. Yeah. And the creating Boses. talent. <laughs> and the Boses, exactly. But, I mean, she it's going. create like a manual how to get your kids in the Super Bowl. Exactly. You probably make money, man. 
Yeah, just, you know, have them be 6'5". Yeah. And <laughs> run, be able to run great routes and block everyone in the league. Well, or, bulk up the, yeah. or bulk up to 290 and just be able to not let anything through. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> be 6'4", 290, but still be able to move nimbly on your feet. <laughs> sounds easy. That's all you need. Yeah, it's it sounds, so simple. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get right on that. <laughs> I look at this, and we're going to make our predictions later in the show as we get ready to go, but there are so many variables to which I think are being overlooked in this game, which makes it so much closer than I believe people are giving this credit for, because people are acting like Philly's just going to... They're going to wash pretty easily because of how well that defense has played this year. And I get it. I don't. I get it, because the defenses, when facing off against superior offenses, usually have embarrassed the offensive squad in the Super Bowl. You look at Peyton Manning's Broncos against the Legion of Boom. It was an ugly game. You look at the but Raiders and Buccaneers. Yeah. A little bit. It's, I feel like, I guess the Raiders would be a little bit more similar to the Eagles, but the Legion of Boom was literally... Like, that entire squad, while their defensive line was pretty solid, it was built from the linebackers' back yes. that made it amazing. And, you know, obviously the Eagles are built D-line with some solid... They've got solid pieces. I solid... like Bradbury. I like Slay. They're not all-world. No, they're not. They can, they're beatable, for sure. Slay is really good. I like Slay's him a good. lot. Slay's the best if, one in the secondary, and I yeah. think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson uh, is underrated. Yeah, but those linebackers, they ain't <laughs> it. Kelsey is going to work them yes. all well, game. Here's the thing. So we know Philly dominates on defense. Mm -hmm. If you look at the stats offensively, Chiefs and Eagles have the same record, obviously, 16-3. Yeah. They've scored the same number of points, 546, yep. and they have the same number of all pros, six. So it's kind of like... Yeah, but they like do when, it in different ways, which is so crazy. Apples, to apples, though, like their offense is, I think Philly's offense is still close enough to the Chiefs' offense. It's apples, but it's not the same apples. You're talking about like Fiji's and Granny Smith's. The thing <laughs> is, like, Yo, but points are points. Who cares how you get them? Right? For me in this game, what the difference is, obviously, it's, you Jaylen know, Hurts. passing style and, you know, a running type offense. Yeah, it's Jalen Hurts. If they can't run, which is going to be difficult because they run up the middle and mm -hmm. they're going to be running into the best defensive lineman in the game in Chris Jones. Mm -hmm. Will Jalen Hurts be able to, you know, make plays with his arm? I've yet to be seen. I mean, he did not look like amazing in the last game. He didn't. They ran all over them for sure. But when it was up, when Jalen Hurts was trying to make plays. It looked, you know, pretty so-so. So, I mean... Yeah, he, he had a shoulder injury. Yeah, so his he... his percentage dropped, like, 61%. Yeah, he sprained his UC joint, yeah. like, four weeks ago, and it still, you know, hasn't healed all the way up. And I think that's probably in worse shape than Patty's ankle is right now. Yeah, I think he's about as close to 100 as you can get right now. Yeah, so it's gonna... We'll see. It's gonna be difficult for the Eagles. I think it's gonna be a lot more difficult for the Eagles than it will the Chiefs. He is Jack Thompson, she is Katie Goodman, I'm James Pledger, and I've buried the lead. Your defending champion, SAFC, 
gets ready to start the season coming up as they look to defend their title. And we will be joined by fullback Connor Maloney coming up at 8.30, so don't go nowhere. But NFL honors, awards, snubs, Hall of Fame, snubs, and D'Amico Ryan's finalizing his coaching staff. We'll get into it all next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM and ESPNSA.com. This is Rob Thompson, and you are listening to 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star. I'm James Pledger, joined by Jack Thompson and Katie Goodman as we get you ready for a great sports weekend. And part of that sports weekend is things that happen while we're out at the Super Bowl, including the NFL Honors announcing MVP. Well, not us, but I mean, we should be, but... I feel slighted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd like to have fun in Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, everybody's posting there. Everyone I follow, they have like a bazillion interviews going. Score some tickets to the waste management. Go sit on 16 and throw some beer. Man. <laughs> Minix is living the life. 50th birthday, going to big party. Mm-hmm. Those guys interviews. suck. I know, right? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm going to have to turn my social media off. It's one of those social media break yeah. weeks. I get it. I'm happy for people. I need, for, I need, I need a cleanse. Come on. I know, right? <laughs> I know. We're all bitter as hell over here. We should be. We, sh- we should be. Right? <laughs> we should be there. We should be going to these parties. Yeah. Like, <laughs> by the way, I Come saw on. how most of them dressed. We would be way better at these Good parties. God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Rudy's the only one. Exactly. <laughs> he was the only one that brought swag to the parties. Thank you, Rudy. But <laughs> bunch of quarter zips. <laughs> I, God. Jeans. jeans and tennis shoes. Yeah, bro. Jeans and oh. just normal blue jeans and a quarter zip for oh. all of them. It hurts my heart. <laughs> At least my dad'll wear some cool shoes, but Lord. But it's usually with like yeah. s- some slacks, some jeans, and a, and a quarter zip, or, or a sweater <laughs> vest of some sort. Yeah, my dad does love the the sweater vest. <laughs> but I look at things that went on over there. Uh, MVP was announced. Patrick Mahomes wins his second and just his fifth Good. year it's as a starting quarterback. Insane! It's insane. He well deserved, by the way. And uh, this is exactly kind of. The reason everybody's like, oh, did Jalen Hurts get snubbed? He no. only got two of the first place votes. Like, There's an, no, They didn't good. win while he was out. Yeah. I'm Don't like, get I hurt. Get it. Mm. Don't get hurt, bro. Right. And if you do, <laughs> try I, not to drop your percentages. Yeah. I look at you know Jalen Hurts surrounded. They went and got Devontae Smith. They went and got A.J. Brown. They went and you know brought in all this talent to surround him with. Okay, cool. <laughs> the Chiefs then, literally took away... His best weapon mm-hmm. in Tyreek Hill. And he still did what he did. And there was no drop off in his play. And that's just insane. Well, you, you know, even more drama to this Andy Reid used to be with Philly. And mm-hmm. then when he came over to the Chiefs, he happened to fall upon Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he knows how to go to a Super Bowl, right? So, like, you look It's at, not like he was struggling, his, he though. He wasn't bad, but when you look at. 
his Mahomes is versus, the difference. One, yeah, I was going to once you come into contact with a guy like Mahomes, your trajectory is next level. You can say but the you same make, thing. Make it easy. Belichick and Brady, like every good coach yeah. needs a great quarterback. That's yeah, but I mean, he was getting two championship games with Donovan McNabb and Alex Smith in Kansas City before Mahomes got there. So, I mean, he's a really good coach, but the difference between good and great is a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. This is true. But to add more fuel to the drama fire, Sirianni was let go from the Chiefs. Yep. So now they both have, a, you know, as if they didn't already have a dog in the fight, but they are, now they have, like, a much deeper root, I think, from both sides. Eh, I mean, he was on Todd Haley's staff. I mean, nobody was keeping anything from that staff. I'm sorry, Sirianni. That's just part of the thing. When, you, when, you, when a head coach gets fired, usually their staff is not retained. Like, Houston is retaining two people, I think, from the previous regime. It's their special teams coordinator, who was actually the best in the league last year, and a strength and conditioning coach. Everything else, clean house. I totally get that, but I think in athletics, especially people who are former athletes, they hold grudges. I'm sorry, you can't tell me nobody holds a grudge, even if it made sense, right? Sure. There's, There's still a middle finger involved somewhere, even if it's, even if they can't see it, it's, it's a you said, behind the scenes middle finger. <laughs> you said earlier, Jack, that you thought that Chris Jones was the one snub, not, not Michael Parsons when it came to defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with you, but I I'd thought, like you to expand upon that because I think that's an, an, very intriguing because most people, and I would have thought you would have felt the same way, thought Micah Parsons would have been the one that was hosed. It's tough. I'm, it just, Seems like while, you know, Bosa got a lot of sacks and stuff, but he's an edge guy. Not saying that it's easy to get sacks, but it's certainly easier coming off the edge, I Mm -hmm. would say. And for him only to get three more sacks than Chris Jones, who's coming up the middle, stopping a lot more runs, doing a lot more other stuff. I don't know. I just seemed, I just thought that it would have Chris Jones because. He arguably had a better season than Aaron Donald did last year. Mm-hmm. And he got third. It just, I don't know. It didn't make sense. I'm, Micah also, I mean, all three of them, incredibly. But Micah disappeared down the stretch a little yeah, bit. He, and I think that he hurt him. Did, yeah, he, it definitely did. He definitely did. He did He did fall off a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, looking at the the stats, I was literally just looking that up. So we've got Micah with 42 solos, mm-hmm. Chris Jones with 44, Bosa with 51, and then they each have around the 20 same. 20 sacks. Yeah. 18 to 20 sacks. 18 for Bosa, 18.5 for Bosa, Chris Jones 15.5, and Micah 13.5. But Micah has also has... A lot of pressures. Yeah, m- more pressures than both. More assisted tackles than mm-hmm. both. It was it, it was an award for any of them. Any three of them could have won, but I don't know. I just felt like it should have been Chris Jones because he's like the 49ers defense has so many people you have to key in on. So do the Cowboys on the defensive line. You like basically for the Chiefs defensive line, you can throw everything at Chris Jones and not really have to worry about much else coming at you and he still was i saw a chart that said chris jones had the highest double team rate but he also had the highest pass and run block win rate 
So he was getting double teamed the most, but still winning the, the most, most at the line, which yeah. is an incredible stat. I just thought it was his to lose, and he came up third. That is a great point, and I don't really disagree with any of the other awards. Uh, no. Sauce versus Aiden. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, beauty's in the eye of the beholder in that one. Yeah. I thought once Brees Hall went down, it was Garrett Wilson's to lose. When yeah. it comes to offensive I rookie thought, of the year, um, Damian Pierce may have had a shot, but he got Kenny hurt Walker, late. Kenny Walker could have sure. could have jumped in there, but it is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, like I said, uh, I don't have any real quibbles with any of those mm-hmm. when it comes to no, congratulations. By the way, to UTSA UTSA's own Tariq Woolen for third being third in the defensive rookie of the year mm-hmm. category. Hey, Houston, Texas boy. Yeah. Petrie getting a one vote it, as on well the list. He, as well he should. I think in D'Amico's yeah. uh, system, he is going to thrive. What's crazy is like, Pete, he's, which Petrie? By the way, Loki, I just bought me a Jalen Petrie hoodie. Is he the, he's the one that went to LSU? <laughs> no, he's the one that went to Baylor. Who's the LSU guy? Uh, Derek Stingley. Yeah, and he was, you know, he was the guy. Coming and, out of the draft. And he's going to, he's going to, you know, he missed the... Most of the second half of the season yeah. with an injury, mm-hmm. which was the concern coming out anyway. Yeah, yeah. But I think another guy that's really going to thrive in D'Amico, mm-hmm. because Petrie's not a cover two guy. Petrie, he shouldn't be in that situation to where he's playing zone. He was the best man press corner yeah. coming out. Why are you playing him in zone? But mm-hmm. I think like these players are going to be used more to their ability. Speaking of which, D'Amico Ryan's the assistant of the year, yep. new Houston Texans head coach, and... Dakota Rain. Dakota Rain Prescott, the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Good stuff from him all around. Incredibly deserving. Last one, Hall of Fame snubs. Do you have any? I mean, Andre Johnson. Yes, okay. Massive snub. Zach Zach Thomas gets in, but Andre's left out, really? Yeah, yeah. That's the one that really just kind of stuck in my craw a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean Andre Johnson. I remember like growing up and watching him, and there have been few receivers that have been that athletic, that fast, that physical at the line of scrimmage and at the point of catch. And also, like, who the hell were Andre Johnson's quarterbacks? <laughs> exactly, T.J. Yates. Yeah. <laughs> And this and this guy was all pro, all like in a, like as good as it got, number one in the league with those guys as Tom his, Savage, yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub was his best quarterback. Exactly. Brian Hoyer. Exactly. Like <laughs> I think that makes him even better. Like imagine if he had an all time great as a quarterback. Imagine if he would have gotten Deshaun Watson at all. Yeah, that's like <laughs> he was so like that in itself. I feel is makes it even worse. Sage Rosenfels. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I also think Patrick that Willis for the fourth time. I also think like uh, Devin Hester. Yeah, you can't tell the story of the NFL without him. He is probably the best return man in the history of the game. Yeah, period, like that, hands down. He does definitely deserves. To I be understand in there. it's a specialist and it's a niche, but he was so good at that niche thing yeah. that I think he has to go in. I agree. Other than that, like I didn't really have nah. too many problems it was, with it. Yeah, it Ronde, was, I could question a little bit. 
It had been like his eighth year, though. He had to get in. The problem is, the longer you keep Andre out, the harder it's going to be to get him in because more and more receivers with equally or better stats because of you know just the way the game's changing mm-hmm. and the numbers, it's going to be harder for him to get in. And mm-hmm. that's the tough thing. But this is the Saturday Morning Hangover. Coming up next, we are going to take talk with San Antonio FC's Connor Maloney as they get set to kick off the season and defend their title. We're going to speak with Maloney next right Plays here. fullback? Yeah. Right. Blocker. So <laughs> we're going to talk about it coming up football right here. <laughs> it's the same, it's it's the same principle. Are we talking about football? <laughs> we are. <laughs> it is fo- foot. Football. <laughs> we'll talk with Connor next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star. This is 94.1 San Antonio's Sports Star. That is right. I am going to run this song into the ground every time we have on somebody from SAFC. Oh. Because it needs to be. We need to celebrate the championship of the USL that they brought back to the city of San Antonio as we welcome Connor Maloney. San Antonio FC fullback into the Saturday morning hangover. Good morning, Connor. How you doing? Morning, guys. How you doing? Oh, we're always good. But for y'all, I mean, this has got to be a whole different feeling. Y'all are coming in. Y'all are the champions of the USL. Y'all had by far the best season wire to wire and managed to continue that earn home field throughout and then also finish it off at home. Just take us back through last season just a little bit and what it was like going through all that. Yeah, last season was super special. Obviously, we won the championship, but, um, you know, the process to get there is is never easy. Every team goes through highs and lows, and um, we were just lucky and, and fortunate um, that our club and um, our coaches gave us, the you know, the best opportunity to succeed and um, we just went out in the field and you know did what we have to had to do and um, you know not one guy wavered um, and you know we were able to put it together and created a culture that um, that no one could break and um, that translated on the field so um, you know it's a special year um, and now now we're on to this year and it's a, a new opportunity a new challenge uh, with a new group of guys um, with with the same goal so um, yeah last year was special and. Uh, I think it was special for the city, for the fans, um, for this club, because, you know, we I felt like we deserved it um, mm-hmm. right from the beginning of the season. Uh, we fought to the end, and, uh, you know, we finished the fight, uh, as we, we like to say. Speaking of that culture, uh, you've signed a couple new guys, Kamarni Smith, Nico Hansen, uh, both with runs in the MLS. Uh, how, I just want to know how has preseason been with them so far? You had a chance to play with Nico Hansen, uh, back in 2017. So just tell me a little bit about how practice is going, how they're meshing with the team, and and what you think makes both of these guys so good. Yeah, I think since we have a, a core group of guys coming back, it's it's important to integrate the the new guys quickly into the team and, um, you know, let them know what we're about and, and what this team's about and how the culture is here. And, um, you know, they, they bring 
both valuable experience from, from the MLS, and they both bring a unique skill set uh, to our team uh, and, and to the USL. And we're just happy that they're on our team. And obviously, you know, I got to play with Nico a bit, and I know exactly what he's capable of. And, um, you know, I, I expect him to show it this year, and I, I think he expects the same thing out of himself. So, you know, we're just lucky to have them. And, and you know, going off, yeah, they're great They're great uh, players, but they're also great people. Um, and that's uh, an important thing here. And that's a, a thing that we, you know, strive to be is, is good people. And, um, you know, we, we hope to, that translates to the field. Yeah. And what, I mean, you had the chance to play with Nico. So what I want to know is what makes him so good? What can we expect from him as fans? What kind of player is he? What are we going to see from him? Yeah, he's, he's good off the dribble. He's, he's very, very fast. Um, one of the fastest players I've played with for sure. Mm. Um, he has uh, a directness, you know, that, that, you know, no one, you know, he's, he's one of a kind uh, in that aspect that, you know, he'll, he'll take players on and he may not be you every single time, but that one time he will be you. He, he's very dangerous and he, he could punish you at any given moment. Um, so, you know, he has a lot of speed and, and I think you, you need to look out for that for this year. And, um, you know, he's got a lot of confidence, so, uh, we're just happy to have him and, um, happy that he's bringing a, you know, a unique skill set to this team. We talked about these new players, but we're bringing pretty much a good group of this back. Jordan Farr is coming back. You got yourself coming back, uh, Mitchell Tanner. Like, this is a team that is bringing a good, vast core back from a championship team that feels like prime to make another run at another title and go back to back. And last season, this team managed to not only cement themselves as the best team as the, in the USL throughout the entirety of the season, but usually when teams are so much better than the rest of the league, you see like, you know, you're coming into a game that's against a lesser opponent and there's a little bit of a letdown sometimes by teams. You kind of get got once in a while. This team never had that. And I remember the phrase mentality monster being thrown around a lot last season when we talked to Jordan Farr or Mitch or yourself last season. And how does that carry over into this season where I, I assume y'all are going to be heavy favorites going into this season? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, being a mentality monster is, you know, not a, a one, you know, one year thing. It's, it's here. It's a lifestyle. Um, it's, it's what we do on a daily basis and, uh, we'll carry that over. But, you know, bringing the same, you know, a lot of the core guys back, you know, it's a different season. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a lot harder to, you know, win a championship this year just because, you know, people know what we're about and, and who we are. Um, but that, that's just going to make it just that much harder. But, you know, it'll require, you know, a lot more focus and a lot more uh, intensity in our actions this year. So um, it will be harder for sure. Uh, but, you know, I think every single guy on this team is, is ready for this challenge and uh, just for the year to start. So, you know, bring, being a mentality monster, um, we really take that to heart and, and we, we think it's a, as a lifestyle, not just a, a one-year thing. Speaking of, uh, you've got a couple of games coming up here pretty quickly the Liga Mekis match with CF Monterrey. What do you what do you think about that? The the last time I believe you guys played a, a Liga Mekis team in preseason, there were a lot of young players from the academy, from second team showing up. Do you think it's going to be kind of a similar matchup, or are you guys really going head to head here? 
Yeah, I think uh, Monterey and Atlas, you know, it'll be that'll be a special game here uh, in San Antonio. And, uh, you know, for fans, you know, around here uh, for the game, you know, to build up in the U.S. So, you know, it'll be a special match there. Um, and it'll be fun to watch. So, you know, it'll be special for the fans, and, you know, that's what it's about, and, and growing the game and, um, you know, seeing what other countries are like. So, you know, it'll be uh, two, two really good teams, um, and which have a lot of history, and, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be a special one for the, for the fans and uh, soccer fans in San Antonio. San Antonio sees Connor Maloney joining us here on the Saturday morning hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM. Listen online at ESPNSA.com. Connor, I know you've got the matches coming up. You've got a couple of preseason games with FC Tulsa and El Paso, but March 11th seems super close. Does it feel as close to you as it feels for me? Because I could have sworn New Year's was just last week. Yeah, I mean, it seems pretty far away. You know, I think just the eagerness, (laughs) of all the guys in the locker room right now just ready to get on the, the pitch and uh, compete and perform, um, you know, and just get back into the routine of things. So guys are just eager. It seems so far away, but, um, you know, for that first match, we'll definitely be ready in our, our, our coaching staff, and uh, they'll have us, you know, prepared uh, to fight uh, the first game of the season. So um, it'll be a fun one, and, you know, I hope all the fans come out and, uh, and see the, the first game because it, it'll be special coming back from last year, but now it's a, a new challenge. Like I said, new opportunity, new group of guys. Um, so it'll be fun. Speaking of that last game, how do you feel about opening the season with Oakland Roots, knowing the last matchup was in the semifinals? You beat them 3-0 at home. And, I mean, excuse me, it's going to be here at home. How do you feel starting the season with such a big banger? We all know there's going to be a ton of energy and intensity, and it's just one heck of a game to start off with. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Oakland's always a, you know, a tough test for us and uh, I think a tough test for every team. Uh, we never take any team lightly. We, we go out there like it's, uh, you know, the last game of our lives or a championship game. And um, you saw that last year and that, that was the mentality of the group and that's why we called ourselves Mentality Monsters because we took every single game as a championship game one by one and, um, you know, we prepared for each of them and uh, we went out there and we, and we were ready. Um, so, you know, Oakland's a great team. Um, right now we're, we're trying to, you know, focus on ourselves and, um, you know, take it day by day in preseason. And then, uh, when the week comes, we'll be prepared and, uh, the coaches to have us, you know, ready to go and be prepared to su- succeed, you know, throughout the whole season. Um, so you just take it one, one day at a time right now in preseason. And then, uh, you know, Oakland's going to be a good opponent. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, but we're going to treat it like a championship final. San Antonio's Connor Maloney. San Antonio FC's Connor Maloney joining us here on the Saturday morning hangover. And I know you're taking it one game at a time, and there's a lot of focus on this opener on March 11th against the Oakland Roots. But at the same time, because it's the season opener, because, of course, of how everything went down last season, the fact that this game's at home again, my question is, is there anything special planned banner unveiling, trophy presentation. Is there anything special that the league or that the team has planned for that opening season game against Oakland and celebrating that championship one more time? I can honestly tell you that I honestly am not uh I am not in the loop on that one <laughs> if, if there is anything going on or not. Um but you know, 
we were, you know, it was a special year last year, like I said, and um, we were able to, you know, lift the trophy. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going to try and do that again this year, but I am not uh, in the loop on that one. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> You know, you just got to focus on soccer. That's that's the main thing, right? As long as you show up and you're, you know, you understand the game plan, you know how to execute, that's all that matters. That's exactly right. You know, we talk about executing all the time. And, um, you know, that's what you have to do on the field to win. And, uh, you know, our coach preaches that a lot. So uh, it's important. And, uh, yeah, no, we'll just be out there ready to go, ready to execute and be prepared for, you know, anything that's thrown at us. San Antonio FC's Connor Maloney. Thank you so much for taking the time with us this morning. Good luck on the upcoming season. Look forward to talking to you throughout the season as y'all work your way towards hopefully what is back-to-back titles so I continue to play. We are the champions every time y'all come on. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I really appreciate you guys having me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Connor. That is Connor Maloney, San Antonio FC fullback defender as they get set to start the season coming up on March 11th here at Toyota Field. Be sure to get ready. Get your tickets for that. Get ready to support them again. It was a fantastic sight seeing Toyota Field so full late in the season, and especially even early in the season. Saw packed houses against teams like Austin FC, like, it was incredible. And not only that, I think San Antonio FC just gathered so many fans that weren't fans before. And you could feel it in the stadium. You could feel the energy. Everybody was talking about it. And I think that was the biggest win. When you think about San Antonio's FC, FC's run and, and the championship, I think over everything was what they did for soccer in the city of San Antonio, just bringing more fans to the game. It definitely brought more fans from the city to those games, and it was a special sight to behold last season. It was a lot of fun. I know we got to go out to a couple of games. It was a ton of fun to just go as a fan. Like I didn't want to go as credentialed media. I wanted to be a fan, and I got to enjoy the experience, which made me love it even more. San Antonio FC, March 11th, at home, opening the season against the Oakland Roots, and of course, Next weekend, they've got a match against FC Tulsa in the preseason here at Toyota Field as well. And, of course, you mentioned the the Liga match coming up. So, I mean, tons going on with San Antonio FC. They are our champions. We will wrap our scarves around them (laughs) (laughs) as we get ready for the season. But coming up next, the NBA trade deadline was bonkers. And I can't wait to finally talk to Jack, not in text form, about it. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about it next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM and ESPNSA.com. This is Mike Greenberg. Let's talk the biggest stories in sports weekday mornings at 10. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 1250. Welcome back into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star. I'm James Pledger. I'm joined by Katie. Coming in chat. How do you spell that? I Hold think them. so. I, I don't know. Maybe. I, I assume you're correct. I you're, No, that's French. I'm aware. Yeah. I'm aware it's French. <laughs> We're talking about my tweet, by the way. Yeah, because I was like, ah, oh, dropped a moi on them this morning. Moi. <laughs> cute. They're both looking at me like I've got a third head. <laughs> Well, it sounded like wah, W-A-H, and I was like, what on earth are you doing? 
no idea what you were saying. I was looking at Jack like, am I the only one who doesn't get this? It's like, is Pledge okay? And then he showed me the, the tweet. That He's I, not And okay. I was like, oh, okay. I see. Got you. He's Mwah. never okay. I totally would have read that as like, Moe? Moe. It's like, what is Moe? You uncultured swine. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how to spell French. <laughs> well, you better get used to it because we may be drafting a French person hey, here. I'll, go, I'll be fluent. I'm going to get on Babel today. That works, apparently. Yeah. My Victor nephew did Wimbanyamba. it for Chinese. Oh, that's cool. He like, actually knows Chinese. Victor Wimbanyamba. Wimbanyamba. And we have gotten even closer to the Victor sweepstakes as... Beautiful. We, we fall to the Detroit Pistons last night yesterday, and ship off a good portion of talent at that the was trade deadline. an ideal Spurs game yesterday. Right? <laughs> we're going to take you into double OT, and then we're going to lose. <laughs> So, hey, Devontae Graham was like, I ain't about that losing stuff. I love yeah. Devontae Graham. Yeah. I said when it happened, the funny thing was, I was like, holy crap, they traded Josh Richardson for a younger Josh Richardson and four second-round picks. Bro, <laughs> that was a great deal. The trade deadline in the, like, the Bonkers. trade, yeah, first of all, the whole thing was insane. But I have never seen so many second-round picks thrown around. There are people getting traded for like six seconds. That's like something you do in 2K when you're just trying to like yes. spam the trade finder. Let me put up all of my you second round You got the five picks. seconds for Sadiq Bey yeah. and, and James okay, Wiseman. Okay, but why did the Warriors not keep Sadiq Bey? I thought that was a fantastic move for them. It's I, I can see why. I imagine it's because of the salary cap and because of the future you need something, and first aren't really going to do it for this team because of the amount of yeah, money that Sadiq first Bay, That's what I'm saying. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like the amount of money, like yeah. it's not feasible even for Lakeup. So what you do is you supplement your roster with a whole bunch of second round picks moving forward. Uh, Spurs are killing it. <laughs> they, have, they have at least. One first round pick and at least one second round pick from now until 2029. Yeah. 13, in a lot of cases, two or three. We have 13 first. firsts in the next six drafts. 13. We that's probably okay. have a total of like. That's Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City esque. We have like 30 plus draft picks in the next six drafts. So we're going to kill it. So everyone who's talking a lot of crap about how terrible everything like, is, like, just... I, I, look, I know that that's the plan, <laughs> and I know that's what you want. That's what we need to happen. Clearly, case in point, we have all these first picks coming up. But, like, be nice. You know, like, be, like, focus on the good things. Okay, well, this young talent is doing this or that or doing good here or there. Like, you know, like, I am come focused on. on the good things. I'm, I'm not Last talking, night, hey, I'm Devontae not Graham you guys put up 31 in his first game. I'm not Malachi Branham is a dude. Led yeah. all rookies in scoring in February with 18.8 a game. 27 again last night. Zach Collins had himself a nice he game, did. too. He did. I already like Devontae Graham a lot. I've been a fan of his since he was at Kansas. Mm -hmm. Play creator. He can shoot. Yeah, when he was at Charlotte before yeah. they got Terry Rozier, he was good, man. He put up, he had Terry a couple 40-point games. Yeah, and I thought he was going to be great in New Orleans, and they just kind of stopped playing him. So it 
and the fact that you have him and he's on a multi-year deal, so you get a couple of years of him. That cheap deal, too. Yeah. So I loved getting Devontae oh, yeah. Graham for Josh Richardson. I thought that was great beautiful. veteran backup point and shooting guard. Do you think he's a backup still? Well, at- well I guess if Branham is technically your starter now, because I'm- when Trey Jones comes back, is he going to have a job? None of none of like the positions. I like Trey People Jones, but man, hurt all of a sudden, you know, he's gonna stop being such a large injury list. I like everything moving forward is so incredibly fluid. It's oh, hard absolutely. to say. Ken Birch, but with the amount of you know young talent we mm-hmm. have, it'd be nice because assuming like if we don't get Wimby, we're gonna get Scoot. Mm-hmm. And he'll be, and you that's know, another guard. He's an eighteen-year-old guard. So you're gonna need some elder statesmen in there. And Trey is only twenty-one himself. So mm-hmm. you, I like the Devonte Graham pickup for sure. I do too. I think he's really, really good, and I think he could be a positive piece for this team mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah. Taking oh, yeah. a look at the rest of the league, though. Wow. Yeah. It it kind of started. With the Kyrie thing and being mm-hmm. like, wow, and then they're like, we're not trading KD, and then 24 hours later, KD's on his way to Phoenix. And, by the way, un- unforeseen big winner at the trade deadline that I don't think anybody's talking about is the Houston Rockets. Because Yo, with the yeah. Nets blowing it up, they own their picks through 2029. Their picks and the swaps mm-hmm. because of the James Harden deal. Yeah. Who is no longer on that team, by the way. <laughs> And y'all, y'all freed up a ton of cap space yep. in sending Eric Gordon out. Yep. He freed up more cap space in absorbing John Wall, and then you'll cut him. Yeah, he's going to be just... So yeah, y'all y'all are in a very good spot moving forward. That's... You just got to figure out... You got to get Jabari on the same page as Jalen Green. Mm-hmm. Crazy is how quickly it happened. You know, I was like, doomed, <laughs> I was doom scrolling in my bed on Twitter, it and it's bad. midnight, and then I see Yach's been traded. But then, like the next day, he's in a freaking Raptors T-shirt. Yeah, at we a press just conference. left him in like, Toronto. Oh, okay. I see what happened there. <laughs> we finished that game and told him to go to the Did other locker say? room. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, I like Yach. I'm what so was sad. your favorite move of the deadline? My favorite move of the deadline. I mean. Kevin Durant to it's the Suns huge, is right? so crazy, yeah. but I'm very excited for Kyrie and Luka. To see them actually play together finally is going to be nuts. That's like fire and ice right there. Those are the two best, I would say, on ball, on ball ISO scores in the league. But they do it in completely different ways. Because exactly. Kyrie's trying to mix you up with crossovers and get by you. Well, Luca's slow pace, let me feel where you are and then find my angle from there. So it's that's gonna be fun, man. It's going to be insane. I love that one. Yeah. I love the Kevin Durant move. I think The Lakers got I think the Lakers got a lot better. I think they did too. They I did lo- phenomenal. I love the Pat Beverly for Mobamba. Yeah. And I, then you bring in D Jared Vanderbilt. They went and got Rui too, Malik Beasley. Like they, they got better. They got a lot better, for real. What do you make of uh, AD's reaction to LeBron's record-breaking point and his explanation? I don't think. I I think that's taken a lot out of context. He was not mad. I think he was mad about not being on the court 
But I think he was more mad, like, we're about to lose this game. Like, we can't lose anymore. We're the Lakers. We're trying to get back to being the Lakers. To be fair, it was in the third quarter. It's not all about LeBron. Yeah. It was in the third quarter, and it was, what, at that point, like a four-point, six-point game, something like that? I don't know. I I think that's taken out of context. I don't understand why he would be upset about that. I think he was upset about not being on the court. I don't think it's the upset thing. I think it was more of the just not even being in the moment. You know, yeah. everybody in the entire arena is mm-hmm. standing. And as LeBron yeah, takes sits. the ball, he goes and immediately sits yeah, down. Yeah, for sure. It's a bad look. No doubt about that. But I mean. I think it's more than it's being made out to be, yeah. obviously. But it's it perceptually, it was a bad look. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Lucky that I was at home court, you know. I thought it would have been cool if they would have broke it if he would have broke it in Milwaukee though. Imagine if he would have broke it against the Spurs. <laughs> like as if we need any more insults to injury, you know, like then LeBron comes in and <laughs> breaks all these like huge records. I think that would have been hilarious. I think it would have been hysterical, but I I stand by my fact that I do believe that that would have been really cool to see him break it in Milwaukee because Kareem's career started in Milwaukee, so that would have been kind of cool. Yeah. It would have been a nice little kind of symmetrical thing. Yeah, full circle moment. But, you know, it is what it is. He broke it at home, which was good. You like to break records like that at home because it's good to reward the fans. Yeah, and I feel like you get more leeway that way. I feel like people are more likely to, you know, do celebrations, have pregame stuff, postgame stuff going on. Last thing, Jack. Post-trade deadline, mm-hmm. because of all the shakeups that had happened. Who are your favorites on uh, on each side? Well, I don't think... The, Phoenix is the now East, a favorite. Yeah, the East hasn't changed at all. It's still the Celtics for me. Still the Celtics? Yes. You don't think Jock Crowder to the Bucks gives them... It might give them a little boost, but... Jock, I think, of, I think Crowder, Crowder hasn't played in like a year. I think of Jay to the Bucks, like I think of when the Bucks had P.J. Tucker. I don't even think it'll be as effective, to be honest. Because okay. I think P.J. Tucker, better defender because, you know. That's what he does. Yeah. Also, like, Jay's going to be, like, he's not as multi-dimensional defender mm-hmm. as P.J. Tucker. He's a better shooter for sure, but, I mean, it's kind of, they get a little bit better, but I don't think they jump where I have the Celtics set right now. Okay. I, I I was trying to give some love to your boy, Max Money Middleton, and, and yeah. the Bucks. Hey, Max Money Middleton got to shave his head, bro. He got the worst hairline in the league. <laughs> worse than LeBron's? Bro, have worse you seen? Worse than KD's? It's bad. It's really bad. Because he's got like a weird shaped head. Oh, no. <laughs> so he's got like a 12 head, forehead. He has enough money to do hair implants. Just. Nah, you just got to just let LeBron's it go. LeBron's tried that a couple of times. Let it go. You got to let it go. Work. <laughs> but I don't know what's going on on top of KD's head, but it needs to Another stop. guy, just let it go. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously the Sixers, fantastic. The uh, Bucks are right there, too. Those three teams definitely own the East. It's them and them alone. Yeah. On the West, the West side, obviously. So yeah. Obviously. The Suns jump into front-runner contention. 
I still think the Nuggets are going to have a lot to say about that. And a low-key piece of that Kevin Durant trade, I think, that nobody's talking about, is getting T.J. Warren. Yeah, solid. But they, the thing is about the Suns now is they have no bench. It's Dario Saric and and T.J. Warren are like their only yeah. decent guys and campaign, I guess. But they got no bench, so that's tough. The Nuggets... I've been playing phenomenal, especially with Jamal Murray, who has now shaken off all the rust. He's back to playing great. So if they can all stay healthy, that's going to be a tough team, especially with how good Aaron Gordon has been this year. Um, I think, obviously, the Mavs jump up a couple notches, you would think, with getting Kyrie. So by these teams jumping up notches, I assume the Grizzlies, Grizzlies have moved down? Grizzlies are moving down, yes, because... I mean, Jaw's phenomenal. They've lost Steven Adams alone. for a while. Yeah, he's so alone. I mean, Jer- Triple J is good. Not great. But he's not Same great. Bain. Dylan Brooks gets worse every year. He's just a bum, and honestly. Bane's just a really good piece. He's yeah. nothing special. Yeah, he, he'll go get you 20, but it's he's not really a guy that's super conducive to winning games. I don't know. They just are going to be a middle-of-the-pack team. I guarantee you Ja regrets saying he's good in the West because is, he is not. Is Denver still front it's, line? It's very close. I got to see what you know Phoenix looks like because that's going to be an insane. But right now, I mean, you can't take it away from Denver until it's taken away. But yeah. I would say it's Denver, Suns, Mavs. Would be the top three. It sounds about right to me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think the Lakers, if they can remain healthy, will stay. Will get very good. He is Jack Thompson. She is Kay Goodman. I'm James Pudger. We'll be back right after this on the Saturday morning hangover, getting you ready for the Super Bowl, Cowboys, and everything else. This is San Antonio Sports Star, KTFM, Floresville, and always at ESPNSA.com. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, the Saturday Morning Hangover. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover, hour number two, as we get you ready for a fantastic sports weekend. I'm James Pledger. I am joined by Katie Goodman and Jack Thompson. We are the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1. Guys, there have been reports as of this week that the Dallas Cowboys are going to have a big offseason ahead of them. And you look at it, a couple of reports already saying that Zeke's expected to take a sizable pay cut, I believe were the exact words used, mm-hmm. and that... Tony Pollard is expected to be franchise tagged. Yeah. I ask I ask this only because if you do this, is that the right resources to spend? Because you're basically still spending the same amount of money on the same position group. I mean, yeah, I, I don't disagree with it. I think as a tandem, those two work extremely well together. There's, I mean, who who are you gonna go get on the free agent market? I guess you could draft a running back, but 
I don't know. I don't. I don't disagree with it. I mean, I think combined those two almost had you know two thousand yards, <laughs> and they almost had twenty touchdowns combined. So, yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, uh, I I'm mean, here for it. I was asking the question as a question yeah. because is that the best way to allocate that money? But it also kind of depends on circumstance because the other day Emmett Smith joined the Blitz on Radio Row Cowboys Legend and Emmett Smith is all-time leading rusher, mm-hmm. pro football hall of famer. Yep. And obviously when things aren't going well, he is the one cowboy that you can go to that is going to absolutely speak his mind. And part of speaking his mind was talking about, you know, the switch from Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy and what to expect and what he saw out of the Cowboys these uh, past few seasons. And it sounds like he didn't see an identity is what he was saying. I think at times we, we try to, when I say we, coordinators and coaches and everybody else have their philosophy about what it is they, that they want to do. But I have my own philosophy in terms of what I think and what I believe works best for players because I was in an environment that produced three Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. When I look at our Cowboys, I think sometimes we try to – coordinators try to run too many plays. In other words, we're going to run this many plays and we're going to try to get 80 to 90 plays in and we want to do it in the most effective way. Or, and, and we got to do all these things. I don't think you need to do all those things, not as of yet. I think Philadelphia has proven that they can do more with less. The Cowboys are so busy trying to do more and not being effective at anything. And they haven't really established what I would consider the identity of that team. It's not like you're saying the Cowboys is a tough football team. Now, they may be tough defensively and got a very good defense, no doubt. But you're not saying that about the offense. Mm-hmm. Everybody, don't, what kind of offense do we have? Oh, do we have a running game? Or do we have a passing game? Are we a pass offense or a run offense? Everybody's questioning. And if you're questioning, you haven't established nothing. You're just going in trying to figure out what works, and then you just keep going. Emmett Smith, the Hall of Famer on the Blitz earlier this week, live from Radio Row, frustrated with what feels like Kellen Moore not ever – establishing an identity on offense. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I definitely agree with that. I think their identity is just inconsistency and losing in the worst possible moments and making mistakes in the worst possible moments. Because I, that's just me being a hater. I always look back, and because I've asked it many a times, you know, they have RPOs and they have – uh, design runs that you know, or run run pass options, or 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 uh, a run mm-hmm. pass check that Dak can make at the line of scrimmage based on what he sees. And we've heard multiple times Mike McCarthy talk about, you know, well, it, it was a it was a cold run versus what was actually done in the passing game. And I'm wondering, is that on Kellen? Or is that on Dak? Because the more they've paid Dak, the more responsibility they've put on Dak, the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And 
we didn't see all of the passing that we were so accustomed to when Cooper Rush took control of the offense for those five games. Yeah. It became very, very fundamental. So, my, because of the obvious nature of corollary A, corollary B, and me being analytical, is that on Kellen, the fact that they get pass happy? Or is that on Dak, the fact that they get pass happy? Truth is, it's probably a combination of both. Yeah. Maybe it's also trying to lean on Zeke, right? KJ Wright was the one who said, if you look at Zeke's stats, they've also declined alongside <laughs> a- Dak. So, you know, surrounding him with the proper weapons, essentially. I don't think KJ's wrong on that. He's not. And yeah, I, I mean, don't, Zeke has fallen off for yeah. sure. I don't, I don't not like Zeke. I understand what he probably brings to the locker room, but... Thursday, we had R.J. Ochoa on that morning, and R.J. was talking about every snap, every handoff that Zeke takes is a negative. As in, it is a it is a snap that is not going to Tony Pollard or Malik Davis or whoever. And I agree with him in that sense, because if every snap that he takes, no matter what his perceived value is, is mm-hmm. a negative then what is the point of having him on this roster? Or do you put him in such a role to where he is just kind of a mentor and a a goal line type back Mm -hmm. and let him know that that is his role instead of trying to force these 15 to 20 plays on, on us that are obvious negative plays because of the type of player Zeke is becoming? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Got very, very stale and tired of watching Z run up the middle for two yards. It works inside the 10. Yeah. Like, I understand the perceived, uh, not even perceived, but the value that he brings in certain situations. Mm -hmm. But when you're on the other 20? No, I think inside the 20s, or I guess outside, between the 20s, Mm -hmm. Zeke should get five carries a game, maybe, and be in for pass protection. But... Inside the 20s, that's when I think you lean heavier on him. So if you're in the, playing a game where you're in the red zone a lot, maybe Zeke gets a lot of carries that game. But if not, it's got to be Tony Pollard. I definitely think it's got to be something like that. And we've talked about the amount of things that are needed for this Cowboy team. What Obviously, the lack of movement last year and only signing James Washington, which turned out to be a complete bus yeah. adding T Y Hilton late chasing a broken Odell Beckham jr. In the middle of the season and the distraction it may have caused the, the Cowboys were obviously aware that trading Amari Cooper and relying on Michael Gallup to return from injury at a hundred percent very quickly and be effective and, and drafting a Jalen Tolbert I think they realized the mistake they made. It was too late when they realized the mistake that they made, but mm-hmm. they they made the mistake regardless. And I hear this from CD Lamb on the Around the League podcast the other day. And I look at what the Rams did last year, what the Eagles have done this off season, and it sounds like that's what CD not only wants, but Dak needs. Mm-hmm. Got us around. Straight like that. Um, go look at the Eagles. They got three receivers. 
great tight end group. Uh, they run the ball well. O-line is very phenomenal. You look at San Fran, they, they surrounded their quarterback, and uh, you get you get success ultimately. I mean, granted, we got we got just you know as many weapons, but that extra player or Got that that, mm-hmm. that one all all it takes is one you know you, you could be so close in that to the to the Super Bowl and it could be a deciding factor so I feel like just keeping him just keeping him comfortable in the pocket just keeping just keeping him surrounded with you know whatever is production should I say and uh you got to stay healthy now surrounding him with talent and he caught himself. I think we got just as much talent as they do. Blah blah blah. You're lying, you or, or else you wouldn't have said ASS. that. <laughs> so when I when I hear CD saying that, obviously Noah Brown, Michael Gallup, mm-hmm. he has issues with the actual talent that surrounds him. And if you franchise Zeke and or franchise Pollard and bring back Zeke, all of a sudden you're paying a lot of money once again to a certain position group that negates you from spending elsewhere and by the way receivers are more expensive now than they've ever been Mm -hmm. so surrounding a player with receivers you either have to draft them and didn't work out with Jalen Tolbert or you have to go sign them in free agency which will cost you Mm -hmm. and this is a team that doesn't have a lot of wiggle room now they can create some obviously with some moves that they can do Mm -hmm. but that's one of his weapons Yeah, (laughs) I mean you can argue Dalton is the what fifth best tight end in the league. Pass catcher, yeah. You got Goddard, you got Kittle, you've got Kelsey. Obviously, that's where I start searching for names. To Waller, possibly Darren Waller, healthy sure. Darren Waller, yeah. But right there is where Dalton Schultz no, kind of Schultz enters is, the conversation. Schultz is right there, yeah. For no doubt about that. And so I. But he don't block. I get it. I get it. But you, do you go get a Gasecki? Because he can't block either. No. Are <laughs> you? I think you roll with Ferg and Hendershot. Okay, you roll with Ferg and Hendershot and kind of the unknown value that that is. But you saw with, with their limited reps. I like They Ferguson were fantastic. Both like of them Ferguson. were so good this year. And I think I that's like, why they're keeping Pollard because there's no guarantee. I, like but I feel like it's so much easier. Like w- you and I are draft guys, Jack. Oh yeah, I've Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson, Sean Tucker, uh, Tajay. I mean, if Bijan, I feel like Jameer or A Chain is there. Yeah. A Chain. I feel you can replace Zeke or Pollard's production so much easier than you can. But a is, wide receiver is getting a rookie. Running back, does that help the team more? It helps the cap. Does help the cap, but does that supplant getting another cornerback, a big defensive lineman up the middle, another guard? Cornerback is a need. That's what I'm saying. Like, would you? Because if you're gonna get Jameer Gibbs, Bijan. Or a chain. That's early. That's rounds one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Like that's when those guys are going. Yes. Is it worth doing that, or do we stack the defense more? Do you get more offensive linemen? Like, but if we're stacking the defense more, all of a sudden everything that we've heard from CD Lamb and everybody else, and everybody talking about the weapons that are surrounding all of these oh, yeah, other no, players. I... Look, 
I look at the the NFL and outside of Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. if you aren't Patrick freaking Mahomes, no, yeah, he is the only person you can take weapons away and him not fall off, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. the Cowboys took weapons away from Dak, and he had a career high fifteen interceptions, yeah, in well, a, also in a career low eleven games. Okay, so yeah. also to that same point, do you get a running back, or do you go get Jalen Wyatt? Do you get Jordan Addison, like, okay, are you going or like what's more valuable, a wide receiver or a running back when we already have two running backs that had good success this year in a tandem situation? I will flip it this way then. Who do you trust to be able to translate and basically contribute easier and quicker? Bijan Robinson? Or Jalen Hyatt, who's coming out of a spread system. I mean, if if there's a chance to get Bijan, I think you got to get him no matter what. But I don't think he's going to even fall to twenty six. I don't either. Yeah, so I don't think you can even okay. talk about. How him. about Jameer Gibbs? That's the thing is, I look at Gibbs and I look at a chain, and I see Tony Pollard. Yes. Do you want like? Do you want to? Do you Small want to cheat Tony backs? Pollard? I'm just saying, like, do you want... <laughs> yes, I want to cheat Tony Pollard. <laughs> but I'm saying, but, okay, so that means we then get rid of Tony Pollard. Yes. I am I am more so than ever of the belief with the way you have to build a roster, no, I'm right? I'm not opposed. I'm just trying to figure never, this out. never pay a running back. Like, if I'm the Eagles, I let Miles Sanders walk, regardless if he's the Super Bowl MVP or what. And I draft a running back to take his place because okay. it is far more conducive. Because when you got to pay AJ Brown, yeah. when you got to pay Jalen Hurts, when you got to protect Jalen Hurts, mm-hmm. the easiest, most transis- transitionable position yeah. in the NFL He's out of college off and run. is the running back. Yeah. And it is the it is the one position you'll only stop paying a ton of money to. No, I... We've seen it with Zeke. We saw it with Gurley. We've seen it with Christian McCaffrey when he was in uh, Carolina. Mm-hmm. Like Overpaid running backs usually come back to hurt a team just because of the salary cap dynamics. It is the, it is the easiest replaceable thing. And we saw with Zeke, it is the quickest position to fall off the fastest. Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm just trying to see like which position group do we find the most valuable in terms of getting us to the next step and if that's bringing in a cheap running back then i'm all for it well if you it's not just the running backs offensive line obviously half of Dak's interceptions came from having to rush the pass yeah i know that's what i'm saying how many times have these guys broken through the line and got sacks on Mm -hmm. Dak? and like you can only do so much it doesn't matter who is around you outside of that i feel like that's the basic foundation that's that's the starting point there that's why i'm the saying starting point like dak isn't going to change he's not going to get better but under being rushed if you're going to invest sailed. in the offensive line whether it's free agency or whatnot i mean that's obviously going to cost money too you're already paying uh zach martin You've got Tyler Smith, which turned out to be I'll admit, pick. the outlet. I was questionable of him I was coming too. in in the first. He stud. overperformed. Stud. He was a stud. He should be the left tackle of the future. You got Terrence Steele on the other side, who you're going to have to pay here in, in another year or two. And then we have Pro Bowl center 
Tyler then Biotis. you've got Tyler Biotish in the middle, who you're also going to have to pay in a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it's not like the offensive line is bad. It is a really good offensive line. You're worried about maybe yeah. one you position. Yeah, you need depth. And depth. Yeah. yeah. But how do you do that? <laughs> you got to say goodbye to a legend like Tyler Tyron Smith, maybe. And Peters, too, also gone for sure. But Peters isn't making as much. No, I'm saying, yeah, definitely. Do you but, think it's a coachability thing? Do you think? I think they're good. I, mean, I think their offensive line our is line was good. But then our, why our, is Dak so rushed all the time? Why have there been so many sacks? I don't think he's rushed. Yeah, I, I think, think he's he is. rushing. Yeah. I think he's rushed. I think he's rushed in his own head. Yes. I don't think physically he was rushed that much. Our no. line was pretty dang good. It was top five in the league. Yeah. I think it's it's a it's for Dak, it's all mental. Get you to a Super Bowl either, you know? Yeah, it does. Like, yeah, top five line, absolutely. I don't know. It does. My thing is, if that's the issue, and You've that's got two why top da- five lines listen, in the Super listen, Bowl right if now. If that's the issue, and that's why Dak isn't performing, it doesn't matter who's around him. But right? I don't, if he can't get the ball to them properly, that's not the issue though. The issue is not Dak's protection. I think the it's inch, mental. Yeah, it's all going. It's so we once, need a Nick's Dak. This is man what we're is saying. well. Yeah, I've, I've said that. Yeah, if only that, we could. Right. It's just you can't like the way it works right now. Yeah. You, it, yeah, you I'm, can't bring in a guy who's going to be better right now. Like you just can't. If yeah. you were drafting quarterbacks, and the last two on the board, uh, or the first two on the board, you only had two to pick from, and it was Dak and Jalen Hurts, and you're building a team. Mm-hmm. Which one are you picking? It's a tough question. Oh, I thought that was going to be a clear Jalen Hurts on that one. <laughs> it's, I mean, for consistency, yeah. But for highs, mm. like I think Dak's high, like when he is on, he's be- better than Jalen Hurts. But the problem is consistency. It, I know, right. that's what I'm I saying. It depends on what you're everything. going for. If you got, it depends on what your, like your team makeup is and all that. But, but you're building a team, so yeah. like yeah. you're starting a team. But yeah, you, you but yeah, but you said your last, you know, last first last whatever quarterback. It, it is between those two quarterbacks that you get to pick from, and you're building a team. I don't know. They're, I think those two are very close in terms of like NFL rankings. Sure, one's younger. One's definitely younger. I mean, I probably take Hurts. Because he's younger and can still, you know, grow more as a player and as a thrower. Mm-hmm. But it's tough because when we've seen Dak yeah. at his best, it's phenomenal. Like that game against Tampa, yeah. he was incredible. He was per like perfect. And you know, and we- that's what's sorry to cut you. Go that's ahead. just what's so frustrating about Dak. Is when he's on, he's top five without a doubt. But when he's not, he's so bad. It's just, it's <laughs> insane to me how you can go from playing the best in the playoffs in the first round without a doubt. No one's even close. You had an almost perfect game to what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Have you played quarterback before? Well, there's also a different play caller just in the mix. Crazy. You know? different it's play just caller, crazy. Different offensive coordinator now. Maybe Mike McCarthy is now heading the show. Yeah, we'll help. see if Mike can Mike can make, you know, can hide those weaknesses better than maybe Kellen couldn't. But we'll see. We got Dak for at least two more years. He is Jack Thompson. She is Katie Goodman. 
I'm James Pledger. You're listening to the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star. NFL honors, were there any snubs? And D'Amico Ryans puts his staff together. Plus, the NBA trade deadline in full effect. And Texas and OU finally heading to the SEC a little ahead of schedule. Well, I know at least one person who's already made that move in this room. Mm. <laughs> Good luck. It's, yeah. it's going to be different. We'll Good talk luck. about it next here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star. This is Michael Jimenez, and you're listening to 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 ESPNSA.com. I'm James Fudger, joined by Jack Thompson and Katie Goodman. Hey, hey. If you missed any of it, of course, you can hit up ESPNSA.com. Go to the audio vault. We are on, I believe, it's Stitcher, Google Podcasts. You know, just subscribe. We're always going to be there for you. Saturday morning hangover. We had an interview this morning with San Antonio FC's Connor Maloney as they get set to start the season, defend that title that they got. And lots of good talk. Earlier we talked about kind of snubs when it came to the awards and the NFL honors. And there wasn't a whole lot of debate on... Just one. One major one. Yeah, it's Chris Jones, right? Yeah. That, Chris Jones. That felt like the the snub, him yeah, being third. I thought he had it. He had a career year. And honestly, just the that one stat of being double teamed the most in the league, but still winning the most at your block. It's just <laughs> pass rush. It doesn't even weight. make sense. <laughs> it uh, but I think it's it's more so when we talk about the people that got into the Hall of Fame where the real snubs come into place. Yeah. I look at that and Patrick Willis feels like mm-hmm. more of a Hall of Famer than maybe even Zach Thomas. I know he's a former Cowboy. Rondé Barber feels like he was a really good cornerback on a great defense. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I Hall of Famer, maybe eventually. But I start looking at guys like Andre Johnson. He should have made it, man. For him not to get the knock on the door. Yeah. It felt like oh my God, if not now, when the Hall of Fame class is this week, then when? Yeah. Because there were only a couple of guarantees on this Hall of Fame class, in my opinion. Yeah. It was DeMarcus Ware. Oh, yeah. And it was Darrell Revis. Yep. And Joe Thomas. I thought those three were pretty locks. pretty much locks. Yeah, and if doubt. not now, uh, eventually. But both, uh, all three of those. Demarcus guys, should have made it last year. I understand. Waiting, this makes him the headliner of the class. It's basically, true. yeah, that's true. Yeah, which I think sometimes is better. Yeah, kind of like when Manu it's your went class, in. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Well, Dwight Freeney. Border line, great offensive lineman. I mean, defensive line. Oh, defensive lineman, but he he his he was known for that spin move. Yeah, uh, helped lead the Colts to a Super Bowl. Yeah, three time first team All Pro. Like definitely really good. I think he's really good. I think you could make a case for him over the others, but when it the one like and this not not even as a Texans fan, it just felt like the one like shining like error light that was blinking Mm -hmm. was the fact that Andre didn't get in and a couple of those players did that felt like the biggest mistake in the hall of fame selection process this year yeah Andre should have been in it I can make cases for others yeah 
I don't think Andre needed a case or shouldn't nah, have needed a case. He shouldn't have. And like I said earlier in the show, the fact that he never had a true franchise quarterback, but was still year in and year out one of the most feared receivers in the league. I want to just read off the list. It's ridiculous. Of quarterbacks that threw the ball to Andre Johnson. Matt Schaub was by far and away <laughs> the best quarterback that ever threw and Matt him up Schaub, the ball. Matt Schaub would be the 32nd best quarterback in the league right now. I, I mean, in his time, <laughs> he was a good quarterback. Yeah, he, he, he was a solid. Legit Pro He's Bowl a game leader. manager. Like, he was solid. He was a solid There's nothing fancy about him. He, obviously, the best years of Andre's career came there. Yeah. But he still put up numbers despite that mm-hmm. with David Carr, Tony Banks, Dave Ragone, Sage Rosenfels, <laughs> TJ Yates, Case Keenum, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and of course, who could forget, Ryan Mallet. <laughs> Bro, that just sounded like a bunch of made-up names. <laughs> he was you still said, the leader in career receiving yards. That's yeah. crazy. You said Sage Rosenthal? I said Sage Rosenfeld. Who is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> career NFL backup who started for the Texans a few times. Oh, <laughs> I mean, this... This list explains exactly how great Yuck. a receiver. <laughs> if, imagine Andre if Johnson Andre Johnson was. had Peyton Manning, like it wouldn't be fair, or Matt Ryan, or just someone else who was really good during that time period. Like, like the other guy I could have made a case for the, this year was a guy who had Peyton Manning for the bulk of his career yeah. in Reggie Wayne. Yeah, that was another name. I that thought I felt Reggie Wayne would have made it too. Like, he's the only other guy on that list where I was like, okay, like, I can see that. And Reggie Wayne is good, but give me Andre Johnson every day of the week over Reggie and Wayne. And I love Reggie Wayne. Yeah. But he had Peyton Manning yeah. and Marvin Harrison on the other side exactly. of him. Exactly. I just want to name some receivers, not named DeAndre Hopkins late in Andre's career, by the way, that were his quote-unquote number two receiver. Yeah. To try and draw attention. <laughs> Corey Bradford. I don't know who that is. Kevin Walter. Never the, heard his name. One of the greatest blocking wide receivers in history. <laughs> um, Eric Moulds. <laughs> these are you are these are not NFL players. <laughs> <laughs> these the were burns, the guys yeah. tasked with taking pressure off of him. Now, luckily he did at one point have a pretty good tight end over the middle of the field and no one Daniels that helped. He was solid, yeah. But other than that, like he had guys like yeah. that, and, and even the because Arian Foster's career was so small. Yeah, like he had that God, to help him for a while. So he good. was so good for such a small period of time, but then he had guys like Steve Slayton. And <laughs> Bro, this is the when you he was surrounded by so who. little talent for most of his career yeah, just... just think about how many athletes would be like record-breaking athletes had they had the right people around them it's true it's, it's all like, fit God. it's all situation and all fit so many out possible outcomes it's for every pro sport it's all, right. all about fit speaking of the houston texans the Texans have started to put together the staff that mm-hmm. will surround D'Amico Ryan. 
And D'Amico Ryan's going to have a defensive coordinator by the name of Matt Burke. Last year, he was in Arizona as their defensive line coach. J.J. Watt spoke very highly of him. He had been a defensive coordinator before in Miami in 2017 and 18. Mm -hmm. They weren't great, but they developed a lot of talent. Xavier Howard developed Mm -hmm. under him. So I can see it. People wonder what's the connection with him and D'Amico Ryan's because if you look at their staffs, like they they never cross path. He never played for a team that had Matt Burke on it, and he never coached on a staff that Matt had Matt Burke on it. But Matt Burke was a defensive specialist or something with the New York Jets in 2021, a few years ago. That was Robert Sala's first year mm-hmm. in New York. Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator. And in San Francisco that D'Amico Ryans took over for, he was the linebackers coach for a few years under Sala while he was there. So there's kind of the connection with Matt Burke and D'Amico Ryans. Obviously probably came highly, highly recommended from Sala. And I imagine that D'Amico takes a lot of Robert Sala's word. He's looking at the Jets safeties coach and Marquez Manuel to be their their secondary coach possibly he's interviewed with him to be on D'Amico's staff as well so that's part of it you Mm -hmm. keep wondering kind of what else is going to happen well they hired from the San Francisco 49ers so they took assistant Nick Cray and brought him on as their chief of staff and people are like well what's Nick Cray who's Nick Cray well Nick Cray is awesome. He was hired to be their new chief of staff, and he had an assistant role of some sort with the San Francisco 49ers. But if you Google or Twitter search Nick Cray, you will see that Nick Cray was the San Francisco 49ers boombox guy coming out of the tunnel on game day, (laughs) which... He does a lot of other things, but bringing this kind of swag and energy to the team, I am 100% about. Nice. Like, I just love the swag because it's something that the Texans haven't had. Yeah. It's a culture thing, you know, and you bring someone like that around and it just infuses a little bit of a spark, brings something special and unique. And the thing is... You can't steal the boombox thing. You can't steal Yes, you it. can. You can totally oh, steal know, the new boombox thing. I kind of feel like, hey, make up your own new thing or whatever, but also... He's the boombox guy. He will forever be the boombox guy. Yeah, so he can take it with him. Yeah. That's his thing. Still yeah, red? Oh, you don't even need to change the color. Blue, change blue, color. Blue one. Come on. I mean, maybe the speaker color has got the gold accents on the speakers, yeah. so maybe make them blue or white, but yeah. I'm all about Nick Cray joining the staff. I love swag, and I assume he was going to bring other qualities to this team Mm -hmm. that are going to help, but just him being that guy for San Francisco, freaking love it. Now, Bobby Slowig's been a name, uh, San Francisco 49ers passing game coordinator who has been interviewed to be the offensive coordinator, but as of yesterday, there is another name to add to the offensive coordinator search. Mm Mm-hmm. Good old former Texas Tech Red Raider, former New Braunfels Unicorn, former Texas A&M Aggie, former Houston Cougar, former Arizona Cardinal, Cliffy Kingsbury Mm -hmm. has a chance to possibly come home to the state of Texas 
and be the offensive coordinator for this staff. I'm not going to lie. I like it. I'm kind of about it. I like it. I'm going to need you to lead off Hottie Patati before every time you say Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> Hottie Patati, Cliff Kingsbury is just part of his name, part of his title now. Can we just call him Coach so Handsome? Good. Coach Handsome. Hey, I'll take it. <laughs> Bye. He, A, swag. Swag. <laughs> that, the, yeah. the, just uh, Google search Cliff Kingsbury draft. Oh, yeah, that house. Man. That house, that photo was insane and is just the one of the swaggiest things I've seen from a head coach as he is just chilling. This is back during 2020, I believe, when the draft was virtual. Mm-hmm. And he was showing his setup Everyone's at his in their house. basement, and it's just Cliff Kingbury's mansion. Windows everywhere. Yeah. Beautiful scenery. It was awesome. Um, but he's led a couple of top 10 offenses with the Cardinals. Obviously he's known for helping bring Patrick Mahomes along at Texas tech. He brought along Johnny Manziel. I think the most important quality he has is he knows how to coach. Was it Greg Ward? Small he had quarterbacks. At yeah. And he knows how to coach up. Small quarterbacks, and who, y'all are looking to get... Who is a small quarterback that they could be looking at? Uh, you know, just former Heisman winner, Bryce Young. <laughs> <laughs> that would make me extremely happy, actually. Because it also shows D'Amico's ability to adapt, right? Because you think D'Amico, you think San Francisco, you think Kyle Shanahan offense. Mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury is not a Kyle Shanahan offense. No. It is more spread out wide. They do they do run the ball more than they're given credit for in Arizona, mm-hmm. I believe. But they've had top ten. I think it just all fell off the rails this year, and I put a lot of that on Kyler Murray yeah. for being honest with ourselves. But I think he did a good He's just job. A diva. I think he did a good job. He did, and yeah. that team just fractured and fell apart. Yeah. Poor and, offensive line. You're missing D Hop. James Connors in and out of the lineup, and then you've got all that swirling around Murray. And then he goes and gets hurt. And then he gets hurt. Yeah, it's just. For Kingsbury, do you think that he was so good with Patrick Mahomes, Johnny Menzel? Hottie Patati? Yeah, excuse me. Oh, I stand corrected. (laughs) Hottie Patati, Cliff Kingsbury. Do you think he is so good because of his ability to recruit? In college, when he was a college coach, or because he was so good at coaching, I think he's. Guys. I think he's a really good offensive coach because the the guys that he worked with, they weren't high level recruits. Johnny Manziel was a three star. Only a four Kyler star. Murray was. Patrick Pat- Mahomes was very small recruit. He was a three star recruit coming out of White House. He wasn't a very big recruit. Uh, so Baker maybe, Mayfield. Maybe he was a, a walk on. Yeah. But that's my case in point. Is like maybe he's not top of the charts, but he knows how to see that in people. He knows how to see their yeah. potential. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He knows how to uh, even and develop it. Even yeah, a lot of people can see that, but he knows how to bring it out of you. And I think that's the biggest thing about yeah. it. And I think that would be great. And I. The fact, and I forgot until I started listing the quarterbacks he worked they're with. They're all little. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, uh, Johnny Manziel. They're all little guys. Greg Ward, they're all little guys. Yeah. So, so it there. gives me, if you're talking to him, obviously you might have 
a bias towards a quarterback in this in this draft class. And there is only one quarterback that really fits that mold if you're looking at the number two overall pick. Mm-hmm. And that is one Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, Bryce Young. It's incredible. I am stoked. I love the staff that's kind of coming together in Houston. It feels like a totally different vibe, and I'm about it. He is Jack Thompson. She's Katie Goodman. I'm James Pledger. This is the Saturday Morning Hangover. We're going to come back, put a ball on the show, get you ready for the rest of your weekend, and give our Super Bowl picks as we finish out the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM. This is Mike Greenberg, and you're home for the Dallas Cowboys. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 1250. Welcome into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM. ESPNSA.com. I'm James Pledger, joined by Jack Thompson and Katie Goodman. I think it's about time maybe that we put our final predictions out there. I'm not sure if anybody can even hear me. San Antonio Sports Star. 94.1 FM, we are at least on air. I can tell that. We're getting ready to go as weird things have happened here in the studio. Uh, we are getting you ready for Super Bowl 57 as the Kansas City Chiefs get set to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. And just going to throw my prediction out there right now as the Philadelphia Eagles... Despite that defense and despite everybody's love, I'm taking the Chiefs in a close one. I think that the Kansas City Chiefs win this game 27-24. And I think that's probably going to be the way that this game goes. It's going to be real fun. Don't forget, join me, Twin Peaks, tomorrow, 151 and 410, Westover Hills location, 12-2. to 2, I am getting people registered to win Cat Williams tickets as we pregame for the big game. So join me out at Twin Peaks tomorrow, 151, 410, Westover Hills. It will be a good old time. But for Jack Thompson, for Katie Goodman, I'm James Pledger. This has been the Saturday Morning Hangover.